0: Yes. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Sports Business Mind Podcast, a podcast where we tell the untold stories of sports entrepreneurship. Being a sports entrepreneur is not about running a huge sports agency or a team, but there are everyday folks who are sports coaches who make serious impact in the development and well-being of young people around the world through their sports coaching business. My objective is to speak to these champions and find out why they started their business, their struggles and their successes. Welcome to episode four of the Sports Business Mind Podcast. Before we get on with the interview, a quick shout out to our sponsor, sportsbusinessmentor.com. Sports Business Mentor is a mentorship program that helps you create a world-class product out of your sports coaching business that will make you a marketer one. To get a quick training on how you can go from being in a saturated competitive market to being the only one in the market, go to www.sportsbusinessmentor.com to download the template and the training that you can use right now in your business. For today's episode, we go all the way to Sri Lanka, a country that's located in the Indian Ocean with a population of 21 million. But against all odds, my guest on the show today managed to build a soccer academy. The Tabit Ahmed Football Academy, or TAFA, is a privately run sports academy with branches in Colombo and Gaul. TAFA was founded in 2009 with just five students, and since then, it has grown to support the football development of over 200 children annually between the ages of 3 to 18. To talk about his journey, I'm glad to have Tabit Ahmed on the show today. Hi, Tabit.
1: Fine, thank you, mate. Thanks for having me on your show.
0: No, it's a real pleasure. I know it's very early in the morning in Sri Lanka. Thanks for getting up so early. <laughs> I see you have your your coffee or tea in hand over there.
1: Yep, coffee is coffee is right here. Uh, it's 4:30 for me right now, but uh, I couldn't turn this down, so I'm very happy to be here.
0: Excellent. Uh, real pleasure having you. So let's start by talking a little bit about your background, because as you would already know, this podcast really mainly reaches out to sports entrepreneurs like yourself around the world. I've had guests from North America, Asia and Europe as well. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Like what's, what's the background? Who is uh, Tabit Ahmed?
1: To give it to you very simply, uh, I'm just a very passionate football player. And at the age of 19, I, I hit a crossroad where I had to decide what I, what I wanted to do in my life. Because uh, the doors for higher studies and universities had shut uh, within a year after I left high school, and the only thing I was sort of decently good at and passionate about was football, so I decided to pursue a career in that. Um, so it was either engineering or football. So I chose football, not uh, because I had no choice, um, and then within a few years' time realized. Uh, Perhaps I was a better football coach than an actual player. You know what they say, I mean, you can't do, you teach. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to teach. So <laughs> I I pursued my, my dreams of uh, becoming a football coach. I mean, that's pretty much my 30-second summary.
0: Very nice. I was going to say those who can't do teach, right? Uh, it's exactly, I, I seem to be doing a lot of that these days after being almost, uh, I mean, almost two decades as an entrepreneur these days. I'm, I'm teaching a lot of other sports entrepreneurs as well. But I'm still in the trenches. I'm still, I'm still doing deals. I'm still working on a few projects. But, you know, it's amazing when you said at 19 that it was a crossroad and then you had to decide, right? Is it because you didn't have the means to go for higher education or it's just decided that, you know, you were really gonna pursue a career? No, it was, uh,
1: it was purely financial reasons. Uh, okay. Very financial. Everything was, uh, at, that, at that stage uh, I, I had, I was actually a better student uh, in academics than I was a football player, you know. So I was, mm. I mean, the, the route was, you know, finish high school and then off to England to study engineering. I'd already been accepted to go to university. I had my offer letters on the table Uh, and then uh, 18 finished school and then we said you know what take a gap year take one year off uh, sort of uh, help with the finances perhaps and then uh, gap year finished in no time uh, and then kind of realized okay I guess it's not going to happen and then there was talks in the house within the family Not, not very comfortable talks but you know it was You know, it was happening, So like, you know, maybe we do a few years in Sri Lanka and then transfer abroad. Uh, But my mind was always set, you know, if I'm going to go to university, I want to do it, do the full thing in England. And uh, when I knew that was not going to happen, like my taste for, uh, I didn't want to do it. So I just uh, had to pick it up and say, you know what, Uh, that's, that's it for me. I'm not, I'm not doing it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's, that's pretty much it. But during my gap year, what I did was I played a lot of football. Um, I actually like trained and did probably the best bit of football because uh, I had all the freedom and had a lot of time. Then I kind of realized, okay, let me just pursue this and, and see where this takes me.
0: For those of you from North America, football as in soccer, not football as in NFL. So 100% any- soccer, yes. <laughs> yeah. But we can call it football for this part of the world and for this podcast as well. It's interesting because Sri Lanka is a country that is very big on cricket, right? Correct. Um But you chose to play football. How big is the football fraternity over there in Sri Lanka?
1: I, I would say it's, it's been played uh, throughout the island. Um, It's been there ever since uh, we had independence. I would say even pre-independence, we've we've always played football. Uh, It's just that uh, on a global scale, we don't have the recognition. It's just that cricket overtakes every other sport because we've excelled and we've always been a top 10 nation in in the world. Uh, We've been to many World Cup finals. We've won the World Cup a few times. So uh, that's why I would say cricket has the attention that the, the sports media gives it. But football is played uh, pretty much everywhere in Sri Lanka as well, so uh, it's out there, uh, but not at the same scale as cricket, I would say.
0: Let's talk about your academy. It's called TAFa, right? Or Tafa? Yeah. So it's
1: yeah, it's named after me. Like looking back, crazy. Uh, I'm really shy about it, you know. So I, i like, what was I thinking, man? You know, I it was a 19-year-old, you know. And <laughs> I, I, I thought, you know what? it's Tafa. It rhymes with FIFA, and I'm like, you know what? Let's go with it. I mean, Tafita Football Academy, but now pretty much everyone addresses it as, as Tafa. You know, I think some, some kids in the academy, like the little ones, don't even know what it stands for. You know, so we we've, we've made like where do you go, I'm at Tafa. You know, so like that has become. Um, I'm actually like kind of shy about actually saying you know it's Tafita Football Academy. But that's
0: just... Yeah, that, that that that's amazing because uh as, as you would say, at 19 years old, you had the courage and the confidence to name a football academy after yourself. You know, it's,
1: uh, quite a few times I was like, "What was I thinking, man? Like, you're like a nobody. <laughs> you know, you're not like it's not like the Steven Gerard Academy or something like that. You know, it's like who is Tommy Tomlin again? <laughs>
0: yeah, no, but 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 well done. I must say that uh, you know, ten of one ten for confidence and uh, execution. Right at the end of the day, this podcast is all about being a champion, being, you know, sports business-minded, right? So, but well done, well done to that. Let's move on. Let's talk about the early days of the academy. I'm, I'm pretty sure like most entrepreneurs listening to this podcast, you must have had your own share of challenges trying to get it, get this idea off the ground. Absolutely. Because a lot of them have this idea on the head, but trying to get it into reality, it's a big, big issue. And at Sports Business Mentor, my program where I teach, It's about visualization. We talk about how you take an idea and make it concrete. How is that like for you? Like, how did you take this idea in your head and make it a reality?
1: I I would say it was a it was a step by step thing. Um, If if you ask me, like you know, in two thousand nine, if you had any idea of what this is gonna be like in two thousand twenty, absolutely not. You know, I I myself was kind of clueless. But what I did want to do is. Whatever I did, I want to do it for like 100%. Uh, I want to give my 100% doing it. I mean, it, it started, I, w- I remember the date to be very specific, November 21st, 2009. I did my first session. Uh, I had five kids uh, and I was lucky because there were uh, a few kids from the school that I just coached my high school. I was the school captain and I've done a bit of coaching in school as well. So Some of the kids in school were like, hey, Tabit, you're, you're still around. looks like you didn't go to university. Can you coach us? That's how it started very simple i said yeah sure i'll coach you guys and then it was pretty much word of mouth where more kids started turning up every week and even at that stage uh, it was never an academy you know it was just me turning up i had a whistle and a, i told the kids, i, I not i didn't have many extra balls i just said you know bring your own ball and it just pretty much just trickled and snowballed slowly slowly and then Within a few months, I mean, the reason why I said I went full time in 2012 is because between 2009, once I started, I got a little bit of recognition, and then in 2010, I got recruited. I got a, I got my first job as a, as a head coach of a football uh, of a school, and they said, hey, you know, like we've heard about you, can you come? become coach us. So I did two years in the school there while I was doing uh, private coaching, you know, just on the side. 2012, I thought, you know what? Um, all right, let's let's. We, 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 we're going to do this. And then I said, you know what, uh, we've uh, gained enough momentum. Um, and I had enough, I had about, when I say enough, I had about 20 to 30 kids regularly come to me. Uh, and uh, I had kind of lost the interest of managing the school team. I was head coach at 20 years old. They, they may be the head coach of the school. And then I remember we took part in six competitions and we won all six. And uh, I was like, you know what, I don't have the motivation anymore to redo these competitions, because it was like, you know, one of those things, you've done it, you've finished. And it was absolutely back to square one, building from from scratch. Had about 20, 30 kids. Um, and then, all right, let's 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 go again. You know, I started printing leaflets, spreading it out. Um, you know, and then by that time, I had started calling it, you know, Taabitabu Football Academy. Um, Made a logo myself on like uh, on one of these Excel. Oh no, no. I mean, one of these uh, Word documents. Clibat
0: Yeah, that's yeah. why they call Clibat right? Yes. <laughs>
1: yeah. And and uh, you know now we've got like a professional logo that I'm wearing right now. But back then it was just what I could figure out with the computer. So so that was the very early stages. Um, but it really snowballed, you know. Um, it really snow snowballed. Uh, and if you look at it, what it is now. Sometimes I have to pinch myself and be like, wow, is this really like my academy? You
0: know? It's it's amazing you, you mentioned that because I had the same issue when I started my academy in 2002. The first session, I had four kids. Then I was asking myself, I'm, like, I'm in big trouble here because <laughs> only four kids. But we grew it to about 280 kids in about 18 months and had a $100,000 sponsorship with a pizza company. I, so I read that. It, I read that. Yeah, it, it, it all starts from, you know, starting something right then it gains momentum right so it's amazing you actually talk about this because it has a compounding effect doesn't it what you start and you keep working at it and eventually it has a compounding effect at any point in this journey obviously you said that you know soon enough you got 20 to 30 kids i suppose that's a critical mass when you got 20 to 30 kids you can start putting a bit more effort into it right i mean it it becomes real at any point did you feel like you were going to quit like this is not for me or you thought oh it's not paying enough.
1: I, I, I asked myself a few times like, what are you doing man like you know is this because there were days like, there were days where we were getting 20 kids and you know that obviously put a smile on my face and there were days where I only coached one kid and there were also days where I turned up and there were zero kids. So these were like really testing times for me. but the thing is uh, I had nothing else. It was, it, was absolute. it was either I make this work or I take my A-levels and then apply for some desk job somewhere <laughs> and I said, no, I'm not doing that I said and uh, it was one of those things where like I really wanted to like challenge myself and prove to myself you know what, so many people around you have said that this is not going to work and it was almost like you know what, dude? I'm gonna make it work. You know, and uh, I think those those testing times. I'm so glad that I stuck through it, and just you know what? Let's let's do it. Let's go back again. Let's try again. Let's try again. And I showed up, even if the kids didn't show up, I still showed up. And every time I showed up, I try. I showed up with a smile on my face. But there there were days where I would go back, and it's an absolute loss for me. Like like the renting the pitch the equipment and all of that was more expensive than the amount of kids had turned up. So, but still, it didn't, it didn't bother me too much. I was thinking about it later, but like at that time when I was with the kids, it was always big smile on. It's a fun. And I think that sort of uh, had had a compound effect, like they said, you know, and that just spread slowly and slowly and slowly.
0: So who were you going after? Who were you a hero for? Like, where did you start? Like. What kind of kids you started training? Because a lot of the sports coaches that I work with now, with the mentorship program, a lot of them are not; un- they're unclear on who they actually serve. So in the end, they run around chasing their own tail because they're not very targeted. Did you were you very targeted when you started, or you just took on anybody?
1: At first, I took on anybody. Not gonna lie, at first I took on anybody who wanted who wanted. Ex- I mean, the, the whole idea was there's this guy who's just left school unemployed got a lot of free time on his hands uh, knows a thing or two about football and I was very friendly got a friendly personality so kids turned up and parents felt comfortable dropping their child off uh, we know with this 19 20 year old guy um, and they knew like I can you know what uh, for for about an hour they're gonna have a good time Uh, maybe learn a thing or two and I also I took I took it so seriously you know I was in I had my clipboard absolutely not qualified you know like i had a little bit of an idea of what i was doing but you know looking back i was like well, and i look at 19 year old coach tavith like now i'm like wow big difference but still like the passion and the intensity was still there um so i i took on anybody who wanted extra training but i would say in the last 3 4 years we've really like figured out what is our market and uh you know, at first I was saying things like, you know, I want to produce a national player, you know, crazy ambitious, you know, like you know, I want to produce the first English Premier League player, like all of that. But then you you kind of realize, uh, listen, uh, rather than being a jack-of-all-trade, if we become a little bit more specific and focused, I feel like we can make a bigger impact. And like now we've sort of really like cut down and we, we, our target audience is now between 4 and 14 and I can tell you a little bit later if you want like why we focus on that age group and I feel like we have a much bigger impact on kids in that age category so like yeah we went from all over the place to like now we focus on 4 to 14
0: excellent because like I mentioned it's, it's so important to hone in on your target audience because then you know exactly who you serve and your marketing message and everything else can resonate with the people right and I've seen these businesses change as soon as they become so targeted and especially being an entrepreneur and a lot of sports coaches are, you know, solopreneurs, right? They're single owners of the business. They cannot see beyond themselves and, you know, things really change for them. Let's go into that bit since we are at it, right? Let's, let's talk about why that 4 to 14 for you.
1: Yes, the main thing, at first I, I was like, let's say from 2012 to 2014, 15, is, it was like, the radical era, you know, like you, major experimentation, taking everything on board. Like, you know, I even went to the fact that I even registered a, a professional football club uh, with, the, with the aim of like, you know, a kid from Tafa would go from grassroots all the way to, you know, under 12, 14, 16, 18, and then eventually uh, start playing professional football in the league. And I registered a club called Columbus City Football Club. Uh, in fact, like the name, the club is still registered under our name. Uh, but we discontinued that within a year. It was like one of these mega projects that I started and I would say one of my first sort of big failures that, that I came across as, as a business owner or, or an entrepreneur, whatever you want to call it. Um, but the, the, the idea was from grassroots all the way to, 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 to the professional game, if you can see the picture. But it didn't materialize, you know. So there was a big gap between uh, age 14 to 18, I couldn't get the kids to shift. By the time they were 15, the kids were distracted. They, they had other priorities. They got their GCEs, they got their A-levels, they got universities. So, so I was struggling to get the kids to go from TAFA to CCFC. It was not happening. And then every year, what I noticed for about 2-3 years, the pattern was like, so we go from just like any school like an international school calendar we go from august to july you know august september october november december really good turnout absolutely amazing but past jan feb it's always a dip the numbers always reduced for the 14 15 16 year old kids and and then we kind of realize, you know what this is the problem the kids priority is now going into um sort of o-levels and a-level exams so they don't want to come play football. So it was becoming a bit of a challenge for me to maintain that program. And then uh, what I did was with CCFC, we uh, I recruited a bunch of uh, professional players around the league. Uh, you know, a few youngsters, a few guys who've been around. And I said, look, I had a few friends in the game, and I said, look, I'm starting this club. It's going to be the graduation program of the academy. For now, let's just. I need a bunch of senior guys to keep the team running and eventually, within maybe five years, we will have our own crop of players. But I just couldn't maintain both programs, you know, and then we had to make a decision. Listen, are you gonna pursue the professional game uh, as a club or are you gonna pursue the academy? And it was very straightforward. I I said, you know what, I'm gonna drop the club. And we just focused on the academy and I think one of the best decisions we've taken
0: yeah with a lot of entrepreneurs this becomes a problem right as soon as you start getting a bit of success you start diversifying you start thinking very big and you know with scale comes problems right because not not to say that just because you got scale you're going to make more money in fact the cost is going to go up
1: no absolutely with this the cost was really stupid in fact the academy was funding the club <laughs> yes Okay, and I was thinking, where is this going to go, you know, uh, at one point, I had 30 players on my club roster, who, who at first agreed, you know, they will play for free for the first year. So I thought, oh, yeah, you know, they're gonna play for free. But then you realize you still have to fund uh, the pitchers for training, you got to give them food and beverage, you got to give them transport money, you got to give them uniforms, there's no sponsors, there's, it was there was zero sponsors. So. All of a sudden, I just realized whatever the fees we were collecting from the academy is being channeled to the club. So it's like this white elephant program that's being funded. And all of a sudden I'm asking myself, what is going on here, mate? like you're all over the place. This is more costly than I actually thought. And can I sustain this for five years? And I thought, you know what? Absolutely not. Reality check. And I'm so glad we were like, okay, you know what? Done. Dismissed. Thank you. Party's
0: over. Yeah. Well, you tried and, and you decided that that's not the way to go. I mean, sometimes it's uh, really good to know that you take an effort, you create a, a small business when you diversify, when it doesn't work, you kill it quickly, right? A lot of entrepreneurs, what they do is that they tend to hang on to it for way too long and then they sink along with, the, main, the core business sinks along with everything else they are doing. Let's fast forward to what you are doing right now. Tell us a little bit about the current business.
1: Our business is, is is quite exciting. I would say 2019 2020 season was like massive pivoting moment for the academy because I stepped down as as head coach. Uh, it, it, was, uh, it was it was it was it was on my mind for about what, two years. I've been thinking about it. And I said, look, it's time for me to step down. It's time for me to step down. I wanted somebody fresh, um, just because like, I've been doing it for about, about eight years, full on, and. Uh, just felt like the Academy needed something refreshing. Uh, Somebody new, somebody new, new ideas. Uh, Because I was, while the business grew, I had to focus on the administration side of things. I have to manage it like a business. If not, uh, it's it's not going to go anywhere. So I just thought, you know, in the best interest of the Academy, the kids uh, and the stakeholders, I just thought, you know, I have to, I have to step down. Uh, and then, luckily, this year uh, we, we actually appointed the f- the first head coach uh, who has nothing to do with me, like on on a personal level or, or family or relation. Nothing. It's just strictly recruited on merit. So we got uh, we got a head coach from the UK uh, who's a UFB license coach. Um, I'm really pleased. That uh, he, he joined us and he took on the challenge, and th- that for me was a big step. I, I thought it's probably the biggest step that we've taken is for me to be able to detach myself from that role. Like you know, David is now not doing everything, and uh, now Tafa has a new head coach and a new head of operations. Uh, that, that actually that was the first thing we did was appoint a head of operations. For to, to help the administration side. And when we appointed the head of operations, I said, look, one year I will work with you as the head coach. And together we recruit a new head coach. And she she actually helped out a lot. She's also British, half Sri Lankan, half, half British. Uh, so together we recruited uh, a new head coach. And then this season, I actually stepped completely outside of the main picture, sort of running it as a director CEO from behind the scenes. I'm enjoying my new role, uh, and and like actually letting professionals uh, take Tafa like probably to 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 heights that I couldn't have taken on my own. So it's very it's a very exciting stage to be in right now.
0: It's amazing you mentioned that because sometimes as business owners we can't detach ourselves from the business, right? Because it's the it's our baby we created it, and it's very hard for us to say okay I'm going to step aside and look in. And every little bit might irritate you because they're not doing it the way that you do it. Yes. So well done to detaching yourself. Now you can actually work on the business rather than work in the business. So what do you envision yourself to be doing in your new role? Is it? Are you looking at expansion? You're looking at scale. You're looking at what? Maybe even franchising. Two,
1: two, two things actually. Uh, one is I, I want the academy. Uh, I, I want the academy to have its own journey, regardless of what happens to me. And it it shouldn't be like everything that i want for the academy actually like i want like what's best for the academy for the sake of the academy not because you know i woke up tomorrow and decided he wants to do this you know i want it to be run professionally by professionals uh, and the core is the child you know uh, we need to realize like everything we do in the academy is to make the kid happy so everything that happens in the academy is solely built around that uh, I'll, I'll touch a little bit on that uh, after this, and like the second part is like I want something for myself, which is which has nothing to do with Tafa. You know, I want to I want to fulfill my ambitions of being coach uh, as an individual, uh, and it's easy to make yourself the head coach, CEO, president of your own business, right? Hmm. You know, it's, but I wanted to sort of have something for myself uh, outside of Tafa also. Uh, so that's what I'm currently working on. Uh, I'm actually doing my UFRB license with the French, uh, sorry, with the, with the Welsh Football Association. Uh, so that's something that I'm really excited about. So uh, now that I'm not running the day-to-day activities of the academy, I can actually focus on my own studying. Uh, and I want to sort of see where that's going to lead me. The uh, eventual plan is I'd like to get my pro license. So I want to get my level four and my level five and that that is a big personal ambition for myself. And in the meantime, uh, I have faith in, in in the new head of operations and the new head coach in the academy that they will guide uh, the academy to, to new heights. You mentioned franchising. We've thought of it. We play, we've actually done it, and it wasn't so successful. Uh, we're actually a very limited-sized academy. Uh, we actually only have 120 kids, and we maintain maintained this number for the last four years. Um, reason being, we don't want to open it up. Uh, And then I know personally, the moment I have 20-24 kids in a class, the quality will drop. Right now, we maintain a ratio of about 12 to 15 kids per class with one senior coach and an assistant or an intern coach supported. There's a huge difference of that ratio and a ratio of 20-24 kids. I can easily open up and, you know, blow it up to maybe 200-210 kids. Uh, but in terms of scalability, uh, numbers is not the game for it. perhaps uh, a branch or two within Colombo uh, and do more things like uh, elite programs, selected programs, like goalkeeper clinics, fitness clinics, camps, rather than have, I don't picture like having 20 TAFAs around Sri Lanka or around Asia, like I, that's not the vision. But what we want to do in terms of scalability is uh, we want to introduce new sports. So eventually we want this to be like a sports academy where, you know, we are catering for, uh, I don't know, I'm just throwing names out here. You know, it could be like cricket and basketball, combat, swimming. Um, so that, that's something that we have. But for now, I, what I told the guys is, look, still focus and concentrate and establish I still, I mean, we've been running for about 10 years and I still don't think we're established. Uh, people can say we are market leaders, but for me it's not good enough. So I'm pushing the team to, to, to establish ourselves, you know, to get better and better and better. And while that's for the academy, for me personally, I'm also trying to see how far I can go as an individual.
0: Let's talk about some numbers, right? Because in your last... Um, two seasons you mentioned in as part of this whole podcast that you're doing about hundred thousand dollars a yes. year. Yes. Yes. What do you charge your kids?
1: So we we charge a flat hundred thousand rupees, Sri Lankan rupees.
0: Which is about how much do you know in US dollars? Maybe
1: probably about seven hundred, 100 rupees, uh, six 100 dollars. I would say
0: a year. Yes, a year. Okay.
1: And uh, we have a total income about about eighteen million uh, rupees a year, uh, which is. Roughly uh, hundred thousand dollars, but it's not. It's not a lot in the grand scheme of things. It's absolutely nothing. You know, every season I I, uh, I encounter this problem uh, round about a- April, usually uh, with a lot of money. Uh, it's not enough. The thing is, the kids register. It's an annual payment, so they pay in August, and with the idea that okay, this is going to run for twelve months always, almost always, March, April, and then we're running on empty. Um, The the business model is flawed. Uh, The business model is absolutely flawed uh, because there was no initial investment. There's no capital investment when this business started. So it's one of those things where like we're running on the go, the business runs on the fees that's collected. So we're heavily dependent on subscription. Uh, and then it's a matter of managing it. See, but the thing is, uh, I always like like say yes to innovation. I always, I'm open to new things. I'm always trying, experimenting. And that comes with a price. You know, you start the season. Okay, you've got a budget. All right, you've got 18 million to run the season. You know, but uh, far, you know, two, three months into the season, you know, an idea pops. Somebody suggests this. Ah, yeah, let's try it. Let's do that. And next thing you know, you're eating into the budget, right? And that's, it happens all the time. But I would say, I'm glad I I never said no to these things because it was innovations and trying new things that brought us to this level. And uh, we've uh, somehow managed to move on. We've somehow kept the show going. So uh, financially and as a business model, it's definitely flawed. Uh, But we are working on it, I think based on data and, and uh, analyzing like the mistakes we made, the shortcomings, we've realized, okay, where we can where we can spend uh, and how to have supplementary income. Because if you have 120 children, you know, like in the start of the season, this is all you're getting. So we have to find ways to supplement uh, additional sources of income. And I think that has been quite interesting as well from a, from a business owner point of view is that, okay, where can you cover up the missing parts Uh, and that has led us to new innovations and we come up with a few new products Um, and it's going well uh, so far touchwood with the hope of you know maybe within a year or two we should become uh, sustainable and self-sufficient forget about profits I mean that's so far away Uh, but right now the focus is let's try and get the business model right.
0: It's interesting you mentioned that because, um, again, as part of my mentorship program, we look at a business and we look at the product ladder. I was going to ask you, it does seem to me like in your business, it's just one sort of income, which is just a subscription. Do you not escalate the same customers to buy more things from you? Because we, as we all know, it's easier to ask your current customers to buy more from you than try and get a new one. And right up till today did you have a product letter and I'm, what I mean to say is that besides the subscription is there anything else that you can bolt on with your with your services
1: so we we, we do offer we do offer a little bit of extra but I say it's very little because we have some specialty programs like we've got uh, the elite program you know and we've got uh, extra fitness classes which they have to pay for we've got extra goalkeeper classes uh, and, and things like that but it hasn't been uh, like the conversion rate hasn't been so great, you know, because the the children that we work with are are super occupied, you know, they probably do two nights a week with me, football. And then they do like another two nights, they do something else. They go swimming or they do athletics or they got, they are so busy, you know, so it's very hard to get them to like do more and more and more. But in terms of products, what we've done in the last few years, which is something really cool, never been done before for for football uh, is We actually go into schools, into primary schools, and we take over the PE department. And during the daytime, our coaches are also qualified PE teachers. So what we do is during the day, we teach the PE, uh, and we run the sports department of these primary schools. And in the afternoon, we run the academy. So this has proved to be a very nice supplementary income. Uh, So that's something that we're actually focusing on a little bit more and more, uh, just making the most of our morning time so we partnered up with a couple of schools uh, in in Colombo and this also works as a, as a nice little uh, exposure for us because when our coaches are working uh, in these schools you know all of a sudden parents are wondering you know who are these new PE teachers you know so we sort of parachute in and then it's obviously you know these are TAFA coaches oh what is TAFA and then and then that has piped a bit of interest and awareness about the academy so I can't give a direct correlation but I know for a fact since we started working with schools, uh, the amount of interest we've received from children from those schools has definitely gone up. So these are the sort of two, three products that we've got. Uh, but as from but this season onwards, since we've approached uh, uh, sort of like a new vision with with the new head coach, uh, we are definitely launching uh, uh, an elite program. It's going to be called Tafa Select. Um, and this will be a, a fully structured uh, elite program and hope, hoping, I mean, COVID and everything, uh, when things settle down, we'll probably be able to launch in January. And this will be a really exciting, cool project for children who want more, uh, mm. more than just two times a week. So, fingers crossed.
0: Well done on getting the coaches to do work in the morning, because when I had my academy, I had a Brazilian coach that I hired on a full-time basis. And that's what we did. We... We took over contracts with uh, quite a few schools and uh, exactly like you said it really helped with keeping him occupied and obviously he started winning some games and some competitions that really put the highlight on the academy and no more kids came on so it's it's like a it's it's like a flywheel model it's
1: a it's a a win-win for for the school for the coaches and the academy And, and like you said the point where it keeps the coaches occupied because they, they don't want to be bored, like, you know, what are they going to do like all, all morning, you know, and, and pretty much all our coaches, except for one or two specialists are from, from the UK. So when they're here, they actually like, listen, mate, like just doing three hours of academy work in the afternoon
0: is not enough. Yeah.
1: So it worked out quite well that they were able to like engage with uh, and be a part of a bigger team in the school.
0: Let's talk about marketing because after all, we are a sports business podcast and let's hone in on your, on your marketing. What, What have you done to market the academy?
1: I'm going to keep it very simple when it comes to marketing. I think our best form of marketing is our own students. And we focus on making sure that this child, whoever who enters the academy, is having an amazing time and is leaving with a smile on their face. And I know that has uh, an effect. When they go home and and the parents see, you know what, my child has had a good time. I know for a fact these parents are going to talk. And to be very, very honest with you, we have come to this stage and grown with absolute minimum external marketing. And I think our biggest strength has been word of mouth and referrals. Pretty much everyone can be connected to to somebody within the academy. They have joined us because of a referral. Uh, And we easily, I think the last four or five years, we've hit the stage where we have a wait list. And uh, the moment we hit 120, that's it. Gets a shut. Uh, and sometimes uh, there have been a few occasions where a child or a parent had to wait an entire season to join the academy because the age group was full. Uh, and we stuck to this. And this I noticed uh, two things: uh, the kids in the academy or the parents in the academy appreciated that you know that we are not greedy and we are not going after more people. Uh, and they knew for a fact that we would focus on their child. That that was good marketing, I would say. And like they spoke about it very well. And the kids on the waitlist, or like rather the parent. I mean, in here it's very important to understand that the customer is the is the parent. Yeah. The the, the parents on the waitlist also realized. Okay, hold on a second. These guys, are just because I want to pay and join the academy, it doesn't mean I can join the academy. So I think these two types of word of mouth was very strong for me. And like. Quite a few times, I would like, you know, socially when I bump into people, be like, hey, dude, you know, I know a guy who's, uh, who's been trying to get into the academy, but they've been kept on the wait list. What's, what's the script? What's going on? So I felt like that type of conversation that people were having in, in a social circle was probably the best marketing that we've had. Uh, but other than that, mate, like, we've had no budget for anything crazy. So we just have a standard Facebook page and an Instagram page, and we do a bit of you know, a, th- a thing or two on YouTube. But other than that, we've not done anything crazy in terms of marketing. My best marketing is the child leaving the academy at the end of the session with a smile on their face. I would say is 10 out of 10 the best marketing we've done.
0: It's a little bit different when I look at your model in the sense that you have a ceiling. So you're not really going for numbers. You're just going for to cap out at 120 and that's, you're happy with that, right? So it's very different to a lot of the other coaches that we work because everyone's going for scale, especially when you are with a subscription model. The only way it's going to work is to make sure that the numbers are in and when you hit the critical mass that's where you kind of see profits and stuff like that and for a long time in my, even in my, my own academy that's what we were trying to achieve but let's not forget as well the, the, the larger the numbers the more the cost goes up but yet still you can build a very profitable business like I said I probably you're the first person or the coach or a sports business owner that works under this model I'd be if I'm being completely honest I haven't Really, met anyone that's capping out at uh, one hundred and twenty? Because a lot of them just want to build these mega, mega businesses, and it, you really maybe that's that's something that you might want to have a look at. Because what, what what the the reason why I say that is because if if you allow me to share my own thoughts about this, because earlier on you you talked about coming August, running out of cash, right? Maybe maybe that is something to look at. I mean, you've been in this business long enough; um, you, you probably understand this, but maybe that 120 is not the critical number maybe it's it's 200 that will keep you in business so or maybe will allow you to do that innovation and and stuff like that do you think that's even a possibility absolutely uh,
1: it, it's just a matter of like managing it you know yeah. uh, th- that's what it would come down to and we are quite limited in the fact that we we can only work with the child in between 4 and 6 p.m. Mm. because the uh, sri lanka it, i mean throughout the year it goes dark 6 6:30 it goes dark so if i have to like coach after 6 p.m which means it's i need to pay for lights and that's expensive it's very expensive to to have lights, so i have to make sure the session is done by six o'clock i can't start earlier than and 4 p.m because school's only finished by two three o'clock so i am extremely limited in terms of like exposure that i have is like 4 to 6 p.m monday to friday and it's what we can make the the most out And coming back to the point where like, okay, so we're working on on a pitch. So I can probably do two classes at a time, you know, maximum, two classes at a time. And then if I want to have a third class, which means I need to bring in a third coach and the maths doesn't work out if I have to bring in a third coach or a fourth coach to run parallelly. So this is where um, it doesn't, the equation just falls apart. But having said that, 120 students uh, to manage a full season it does not add up at all. It's absolutely not enough money. So, which is why we targeted on 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 schools. So they they bring in a, a supplementary income. Mm. And just two years ago, we got our first cash sponsor. We've had sponsors uh, who've given us a thing or two when they go on tour, just for the tour. Um, you know, jersey sponsors for the tour. We've never had like a sort of full-on annual a sponsor coming from a corporate so that just clicked two seasons ago so that is a supplementary income so which what we realized is okay why we focus on the 120 how can we bring in supplementary income to sort of maybe get us a little bit more maybe another another fifty thousand dollars uh to, to to make up the difference and i would say another fifty thousand dollars would would be good uh gives us a little bit of comfort and less stress and my bank manager will be like, you know, finally, this guy hasn't called me, you know, in April, you know, <laughs> it's like every April, like when I walk in, they're like, ah, oh, coach, come in. What's up? Same thing. Yes, same thing. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a learning process. It's a learning process. I am absolutely like open. Uh, I always listen. I always try to study. I mean, the thing is nobody taught me how to do business. Yeah. Uh, everything was self-taught and and trial and error, some good days, some more bad days than good days. But... That, I mean, the fact that I took those lessons and then I I speak to a few people, I had a few mentors myself that I would bounce things off and like, you know, it's not working, how can we try, can we pivot? Um, I think that openness to, like you just suggested, I'm absolutely open to innovation. I think one of the things, one of the reasons why we're here today is because of innovations and changes. So, yeah, and, and the other thing that I mentioned is like including new sports. So I want to introduce netball, for example. I want to introduce netball and I want to introduce combat, that is mixed martial arts. So I think if these two or three things come uh, and when we recruit multi-sport coaches, not just football coaches, but coaches who can do a thing or two, then we get value for buck. You know, we get we get value for money. So like if a coach can do a bit of PE in the morning, do a bit of football in the afternoon and maybe some personal training or some mixed martial arts or some some fitness work over the weekend, then... You're looking at oh wow this, this sort of scalability i think would make sense for now
0: as we are closing in on this podcast what does the next 12 months look for you see i think
1: the the current global pandemic is, is playing a big role on all our actions and our plans uh, we had quite a few cool ideas like i said the the tafa select program that we wanted to launch uh, in september but that had had to be held back most of the lessons that we're doing like this season has been online and, and it's a little, it's, it's quite challenging. So the fact that we are in a bit of a situation like that, it's going to be very challenging for us to actually execute our plans. But COVID aside, um, I feel maybe January onwards, uh, we come to the realization that we might have to live with this. Um, and we might come out of our shell a little bit and uh, go out there and start playing football again. And I would be the happiest guy to, to, to know that kids can come out and play again and not play football in front of a laptop, you know.
0: Let's use our imagination a little bit, shall we? Ten years from now, if I had to get you back on this podcast, uh, where would yeah. you like to... What kind of conversation will we be having?
1: Ten years' time, end of the decade, I'd like to be uh, a sporting director of of a big, large-scale uh, European football club, for sure. I think that's the end game. Uh, in ten years' time, Sasi, if, if I don't have uh, a UFO Pro license, Uh, a level five coach and not consulting with uh, an elite level football club I would be disappointed Uh, so that's the type of conversation we're going to be having and we'll be talking about how I went from the academy resigning my role as a head coach and then going on my own journey and let's see how how far I can go and like
0: that's what that's the target that I've set for myself
1: how how, how about you how about you 10 years from now what, what are we going to talk about what, what are you going to talk about
0: it's very interesting because i think um i i'm taking a different journey myself you know having built a business uh for over the last 15 years exited it and now these days my um i would say my vision is to to, to help sports entrepreneurs like yourself so 10 years from now i see myself not obviously living in singapore i've got two young boys that uh you know they they're taken the path of elite football they're nine and seven so Hopefully, I'll be managing them in somewhere in Europe and uh, living living off them. Let's put it that way.
1: <laughs> sounds sounds like you've got it figured out. Yeah, you
0: know, kind, kind of, kind of. You know, we, we can always. Well, no, on a, on a on a professional level, I, I think uh, there's a lot more. more that I can do. Um, um, you know what is funny because no one has actually asked me that on my podcast but you know there's always a fuss <laughs> now you got me thinking thank you so much for your time uh, 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 Tabit and I really really appreciate you, you look like a, a guy that has um, you know just just not just talk the talk but you walk the walk as well so wishing you the very best and uh, hopefully in 10 years time let's not wait till 10 years time to get on uh, another podcast
1: thank you so much Asif. pleasure
0: <laughs>